Hello everyone and welcome to itsyourseason.life where we are discovering and living life at any age. I'm Lisa Boson. I'm here to introduce you to people like you and me who have rediscovered themselves, stretched their abilities, and to me, kept their light under a bushel basket. I hear their stories and think, wow, that is so cool. These are ordinary people doing the extraordinary. So what are we doing? Well, you know how you'd love to hear your peers succeed? Get inspired by those who just try? That's us. That's itsyourseason.life. Don't forget to follow us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm there sharing weekly updates and, of course, what's in season, be it people, food, feelings, and nature. So let's get started. Welcome to It's Your Season.Live podcast series. Today's guest is Runzi Sen. She's the founder and president of the nonprofit Overcome. Overcome was founded in 2012 to create a loving community without social, religious, cultural, and geographical borders. It was established on the pillars of unwavering commitment, love, service, and conviction. Their outreach includes ovarian cancer awareness, patient assistance programs, including financial support for underprivileged patients, a plethora of virtual education and knowledge series, including the the recent Connect Over Coffee, and offers both domestic and international workshops and services that also include physician-led detection, prevention, and screening workshops in underserved areas in Indian Africa. They have an international following on social media of over 1.75 million people, reaching many, many individuals with questions, concerns, and need help with ovarian cancer. She was recently also featured as a TEDx women's speaker, where she was sharing her own deeply personal experience of own losses and the unconventional wisdom of overcoming, and I will share that link at the, in the podcast information below. So it was my pleasure to meet Runsey in 2009, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to her today. So welcome, Runsey. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lisa. It's my pleasure. So as you recall, you and I met in 2009. We were in Houston. Our husbands thought it would be a good idea since we were both working through our own grief. I was simply writing a book and you were planning something much greater. So let's talk about that. What was happening and and how did you get started? Yes, of course. So um, my story goes back around um, 12 years at this point in time. So uh, my mom, uh, she got diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2008. And so she was having some symptoms and we were, you know, as a family, we didn't know much about ovarian cancer. And so it was just a very typical story of each family with ovarian cancer where all of us are educated but we don't know the signs and symptoms of of this disease and so this went on for a few months i would even say years after um which she finally got diagnosed and her cancer was in very late and advanced stages she got diagnosed in stage 3c so unfortunately we didn't get much time with her Um, and as an only child of my mom that one year or 11 months uh, to be precise that she went through this journey, I also kind of held her hand and went went through this very intense uh, journey um, that she went through. And just having 
experienced the the grief and the loss and the pain and the anguish of uh, just losing someone that is so dear to your heart it just took me it, it just took my breath away and um, it took me a while to kind of come back to my um, rational sense and while I, you and I met Lisa that was the time when I was going through a very deep uh, you know phase of uh, introspection where I was thinking that I definitely wanted to do something to honor my mom's memory and just having gone through this experience of this intense experience of cancer and the journey with cancer and the treatment and the challenges and everything else I also wanted to get some answers for others and other families and other women who were um, were diagnosed or going to be diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So at that point in time, I was actually working um, with a, with an energy company in corporate America. All my life, I have worked for uh, for-profit organizations. I have an MBA from Rice, so never really knew anything about running a nonprofit, never really worked for a nonprofit organization. So, but the, the drive and the, the calling within me to do something for in honor of my mom and also for the ovarian cancer community worldwide was so deep and so compelling that I just decided um, to quit my corporate job and to start this foundation. And so it was, uh, it's a very um, funny story in the sense that I, I was just thinking about what should I name this organization and then just one night close to midnight, you know, I was thinking about just overcoming ovarian cancer and giving that spirit and that, that hope to ovarian cancer patients. And so the name Overcome popped in my head and I kind of made the connection between ovarian cancer and overcoming ovarian cancer. And hence the spelling, if you notice, of mm -hmm. our organization is O-V-A-R-C-O-M-E. And so it was just an epiphany at midnight. I, I just quickly got up uh, from the bed and, and quickly searched on Google whether there was a name like this um, pre-existing. So uh, it wasn't, and so it was for me to take. And so that just started the journey of this, you know, of this incredible organization that we have built through community support over the years. And so... Um, so I decided to do that and then I just basically went back to my job and I told my supervisor I'm quitting because I have to do something else with my life and our um, bonuses were due in two weeks and so he basically said that's fine but just take your bonus and go and I said you know thank you for that consideration but I the the fire within me is burning so deep that I just cannot wait one more day. So I just gave my resignation right away and just walked out um, into into this path and of hope, but not knowing anything else other than that I had a vision in the sense that I had no plan. I had no analysis being an MBA. You would think that I would have had spreadsheets of analysis done, but it, it was just a leap of faith I took. I walked out the door and then I just walked the door of you know, my own belief and my mother's um, memory. And I knew that I was going to make something out of it. So it was just sheer determination beyond 
that you know moment that um, that took me where we are today with Overcome. That is just a fantastical story. Just the sheer belief of 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 wanting something and seeing it, and 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 knowing with your master's background that yes, you would think that there'd be some huge fantastical uh, spreadsheet and and a mission, vision, values, and so forth, and moving forward to get this done. Um, so tell us a little bit about what that first year was like for you when you made that pivot and. Um, kind of how you pulled it together. What did you do? How did you move forward? And thank you for asking me that question, Lisa. I do want to mention that, you know, even though um, th this was a leap of faith and we, I did everything that was in my power to build this organization, there were some incredible sacrifices that I had to make. So, for example, just walking out of a six-figure salary into nothing um, also meant that we had to make adjustments as a family. And I don't want that to be not mentioned because that's a that's a huge under you know consideration undertaking for someone who's taking a leap of faith for something that they, that he or she believes in and the first year was just sheer effort and like i said we didn't have a single penny um in the bank for overcome when we started this organization all i had was the vision to do good and i also had an incredible community of support that you know my i just reached out reached out to a few friends who were doctors and i told them that you know this is something that i want to do can you help and it was just incredible to see how people believed in my vision they believed in what i was trying to do in terms of creating overcome and so you know it, it there's a saying that when you really want something, the universe kind of comes together to, to get that for you. And that's exactly what happened in my case. I could see all the pieces falling, you know, together in, and, you know, people coming in from different directions to help. But the first year was incredibly challenging in the sense that, you know, even though we had a vision and a plan, we did not know how much or how little we were going to accomplish. So we went ahead and did like a bake sale. And I know that you attended our first ever <laughs> bake sale that we did. And we were thrilled that we raised $888 or something like that. And so that, when I look back, uh, it's, it's just the most precious thing because, you know, that was sheer belief and confidence in what we were doing. And just that $888 got us going. You know, I still remember the name of the the person who, the, our first donor who made a donation of $50 to the organization. And I ne never forget his name or I'm so incredibly grateful. And after that, millions of people, um, so to speak, have donated to Overcome. But, you know, just, just to get us started, that first year was a lot of dreams, a whole lot of work and, and many sacrifices that made up the first year. Oh gosh, I forgot about that bake sale, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 just to let our our listeners know, you're in Houston, and uh, the MD Anderson Cancer Center is there. And I know you partner some with them. Or tell me a little bit about. I know some of the physicians that are part of your board are there. Um, if you would speak to that just a little bit on um, on that, and then we'll branch off more into ovarian cancer itself. 
Right. So I actually serve on the uh, Ovarian Cancer Research Program um, Advisory Board at MD Anderson. I've been doing that for the last few years now. And so, um, yes, there are several physicians actually on our board and advisory board and leadership council that, um, that uh, are also a part of MD Anderson. And so obviously being in Houston, as you mentioned, MD Anderson was actually our first um, partner in this whole endeavor. And now I'm so proud to say that through our overcare program, which is our patient assistance program, we actually offer financial as well as psychosocial assistance to ovarian cancer patients in need. So we did start with uh, MD Anderson as our partner in 2014 with this program. But in short five or six years now, we are actually working with 137 hospitals nationwide. Uh, wow, 137 hospitals. Yes. That's a far cry from a, a bake sale. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That, that, that is absolutely incredible. You know, so when I think about women's cancers, you know, we all think of breast cancer, one in 10 women, I think that data is correct, you know, have a possibility of having breast cancer, and there's other huge breast cancer organizations, but it always seems like, you know, ovarian cancer might have been under the radar uh, a little bit, um, and I, I don't know if this is correct, but you can quote me on this, because it's so silent, um, you may not know you have it. Um, what what would you like women to know just from all your 11 years with this on ovarian cancer and uh, just what are some things we need to know? Yeah, and so you're absolutely right in the sense that breast cancer is one in one in seven, one in eight. Um, ovarian cancer in comparison, we do say that it's one in 72 to 75 women get ovarian cancer in their lifetime. And so for that reason, it is considered a not... Um, not in the same platform as, as breast, but it's more of a rare cancer, if you will. But one in 72 is still one in 72, right? Yes. And the thing with, and the thing with ovarian cancer is, it is um, there is no screening available for ovarian cancer. So when we go for well woman visits, right, you know, we get our uh, pap smear done, which only checks for cervical cancer. Then we get our mammograms beyond age 40, but there is no screening for ovarian. And I don't know about you, Lisa, but in my experience, when I have visited my um, OBGYN for my uh, well woman visits, I have not really been talked about ovarian cancer at all. So as you can imagine, there is not much awareness out there. However, ovarian cancer is actually the deadliest of all gynecologic cancers, yet there is no screening. But the thing also to know is if you do get diagnosed early in stage one, stage two, um, your chances your for five-year survival rates are actually over 90%. So that is not trivial statistics, which tells us that even though there is no um, test available, screening test available for ovarian cancer, just knowing the symptoms and reporting your symptoms early to your physician so that if if should there god forbid if should there be a diagnosis if it is detected early then the chances of survival are that much greater um, so it is imperative that every woman understands the risk of ovarian cancer knows the symptoms and so we came up with this really um 
catchy um, acronym, which is beach. So all of us like to go to the beach, right? So we just took that term and made it into uh, symptoms for ovarian cancer. So for example, B is for bloating, E for er e is for early satiety or feeling full quickly, A is for abdominal and or um, pelvic pain, C is for changes in bowel and bladder habits, and H is for heightened fatigue or tiredness. So this, uh, these three, uh, this five things are the key symptoms of ovarian cancer. So we have, uh, we have consolidated that into the beach symptoms and we have these postcards that we distribute actually not just nationally anymore even globally these days um, for women to know and learn more about these uh, the symptoms and uh, we do encourage everyone to learn the symptoms and share the symptoms and again report the symptoms to your physician if it's persistent in the sense that it's been two weeks, three weeks, and the symptoms are not going away. Um, it is imperative that you get it checked um, by your doctor. And also, um, ovarian cancer, you know, only 15 to 20% of ovarian cancers are genetic, which means 85, you know, 80 to 90% of ovarian cancers are not, which means that majority of women who get ovarian cancer do not carry a genetic um, mutation. So, like I said, again, I cannot emphasize this enough that it is so important for all of us to understand the symptoms and report the symptoms early because early detection in ovarian cancer is absolute key for survival and also for quality of life. That, that's an excellent acronym um, because I know, you know, we might just blow off bloating as, you know, oh, I ate too much or I had a little bit too much soy sauce or salt in my mm -hmm. diet last night. Um, and so I love that acronym. So I want to be sure and uh, include that in the podcast information so, so people will have that reference. Um, so part of also what you all are offering with overcome is uh, these virtual education and knowledge series and the connect over coffee um, just expand a little bit of that on how you're trying to reach people virtually right and so this actually came about after the covid um, lockdown happened earlier in march so typically we used to do the facebook lives and uh, we were regular you know events and everything else that we did but after the COVID lockdown, we realized that we had to quickly pivot to um, online events and online outreach, right? Because uh, pretty much the entire world is still in kind of a partial or total lockdown mode as we speak. So the um, Connect Over Coffee was launched, the series was launched in March of this year. And between March and um, this is December, we have already kind of recorded, I think, 25 or 26 episodes with um, these are just the greatest and the best physicians in ovarian cancer space, not just um, around the country, but we have also reached out beyond the borders of the United States to other um, physicians across the world to bring their knowledge to 
our constituents. And so what we are doing with the series is we are covering the entire spectrum of ovarian cancer journey from screening to diagnosis to treatment to survivorship and um, and just, you know, things that not just from the medical clinical standpoint, but also diet like meditation, yoga, everything to enhance the life of the uh, the survivor or the overcomer as we say so we are fall, you know covering this whole spectrum of the ovarian cancer journey by bringing in experts from around the country and the world to talk about the greatest and the, uh, the latest advances in um, ovarian cancer and um, so the, these this series is available on our Facebook page and also on our website. So if today, if you wanted to go and you know watch all 25 episodes of Connect Over Coffee, you could certainly do that by just going on our website and um, clicking on that drop down on Connect Over Coffee, and you will see all the videos right there, and you can just watch them one by one or share with whoever um, you think might benefit from this information. And so far, I do want to mention this, um, that, you know, this 20, with, with, we have had like 25, 26 episodes um, to date. And I think um, we have, it's been watched, the series has been watched by over 200,000 people worldwide the, in, in terms of video views. Oh, my heavens. That's fantastic. What a lot of outreach and, and touch points for individuals who have questions. And so I hope whoever's listening today who knows someone with ovarian cancer or has been diagnosed themselves will, you know, wherever they are can, can, can use this information. I, I do have another question that's medical related, and then I want to maybe go a little personal. Um, but what might be some of the, uh, the most recent latest exciting research that you're hearing out there for ovarian cancer? That's a really good question. Um, so in terms of the latest research and advances that's happening, I would definitely say that most of the, uh, the exciting advances are happening in the treatment space because of all the personalized treatment, the PARP inhibitors. It's a, it's a class of drugs that have been um, operational for the last couple of years, which is actually tra transforming the whole um, journey for many of the ovarian cancer patients in terms of giving them a longer life, a better, not just a longer life, but also it's a, it's a enhanced life, if you will. And these, particularly for patients who carry a genetic mutation, this PARP inhibitors, this class of drugs, um, is 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 amazing in the sense that uh, it just it's just so much more effective for patients that carry this mutation and just giving them that amount of um, you know freedom from everyday um, treatment woes and and everything else so that has been a game changer for ovarian cancer so far in the in the in the space of early detection. There's a lot of research ongoing on blood, blood test related um, screening, but there has been no definitive results that I can talk about. And that has been you know, a source of frustration for all of us <laughs> in the ovarian space for a long time that you know, there is still, after all this research and all this investment, there's still nothing really concrete in, in terms of screening for ovarian cancer. So that is something that's still in the works, but I do know that many organizations, and uh, I know few closer than the others, 
um, are very, very invested in this and they're working very hard to um, find something very quickly in the next five, 10 years or so. But if you are asking me if there's anything in the horizon in the next three to four or six months in terms of screening, I don't think there is any, um, not that I have heard of. Mm -hmm. And then there have been many, uh, lots of ongoing research also on disparities, uh, you know, how ovarian cancer uh, affects, uh, you know, different ethnicities, different uh, backgrounds, um, you know, racial as well as economic backgrounds. There's lots of research on uh, ongoing in that, which will, I think, ultimately help benefit the lives of uh, patients all across the spectrum. So um, I would say that in terms of research, I know that there's a lot ongoing and, uh, you know, but in terms of what's uh, rising to the top would be the treatment based research that is really going through the roof in ovarian cancer in terms of the options now available for patients that wasn't there when my mom was diagnosed. There was nothing uh, close to what the ovarian cancer patients are now offered in terms of um, treatment. So that has been definitely the highlight. I'm going to put us on pause for just a moment. Um, the dog's going to bark and okay, I am back. I'm so sorry. No I'm worries. going to no do a big pause and Okay, so we were just talking about um, We just finished discussing um, early detection and treatment and that your mother, uh, I'm not, I'm just talking right now, Runzi, I'll let you mm, know that's I'm getting okay. ready. I'm yeah. just rephrasing mm -hmm. and catching my breath because I ran up the stairs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were not, the UPS wasn't supposed to come till 3.30. Um, okay, so you just shared with us um, the, the updates and what might be recent treatment Right. and or mm -hmm. early detection and I'm thinking about that as well um, when I go to my OBGYN I'm trying to even think if they even ask me questions related to beach so no they um, don't they don't that's so the thing yeah th that is a super reference mm -hmm. for anyone listening uh, before they go to their doctor to even think about beach mm -hmm. and or the acronym beach mm -hmm. um, so they have a good um, some things to talk about when they do go so that if they do have any of those symptoms that they can go ahead and ask their doctor about them. Right. So mm -hmm. I was also thinking, um, and I'm not sure I, I made it very clear at the very beginning, when uh, your mother was diagnosed, um, you were here in the States and, and she was in India, is that correct? Right. Mm -hmm. So um, we think about the social support and, um, and how what that important feature and and the importance of that during the care of someone who is going through um a, a diagnosis especially at the stage four level that your mother was so would you would you mind um uh, speaking no, a little bit more about absolutely that absolutely not yeah i think that's a really good question to ask and um, lots of caregivers, you know, we, we are always kind of scrambling, you know, when someone. So, yeah, I, I would definitely um, welcome that question. One thing that I wanted to mention in the beginning is um, 
you, I think you mentioned in the uh, in the introduction that Overcome was founded in 2009. It's actually 2012. <gasps> Okay. So okay. 2009 is when my mom passed away okay. and then it took me, you know, a few, uh, a while to kind of get my head steady after all the, that I went through in those two, you know, one, one and a half years uh, between my mom and my two, you know, losses. Um, so officially overcome was started in february of 2012 just so you so one thing i'm hearing is you really started from scratch on this run see that was a huge pivot and i don't know if a lot of us out here in the other world would just say i'm gonna give up a six-figure salary and go open up a nonprofit. so i'm hearing a lot of just what i would call courage and resilience and perseverance just do you mind going a little bit deep and telling us how you discovered that in yourself absolutely so first of all you know as i told you i um i my life the trajectory of my life was very different up until my mom got diagnosed with ovarian cancer i was I did my um, MBA and before that I had my uh, master's in economics. So I'm a numbers person. I understand profit and loss and that I wanted to be in the business world. I knew that I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. Hence, I did an MBA. And then after that, I uh, right after I completed my um, degree, I went and started working for a oil, you know energy company here in Houston. So none of this, you know, ha this whole path, if you will, has any of nonprofit weaved into it. But um, so when my mom got diagnosed, and like I briefly mentioned before, and I went through this journey with her for. 11 months something really transformed within me lisa and i it's just fundamentally transformed my life Her, this my experience with my mother and she my mom was the rock of my life and she and i were best friends all my life and you know just just going through this whole journey with her seeing her go through that pain and that anguish and my mom was a very graceful and beautiful lady to see that grace being stripped away from her it was a very painful um, experience for me and um, it just it just changed something within me drastically in the sense that i no longer felt the the passion or the urge to go back and uh, to you know contribute to the for-profit world and be the business person that i wanted to be after just this experience, I wanted to give back to the world in a sense that my mother would have wanted me to, in the sense that I always say this to uh, the folks around me that, you know, her death actually gave me the purpose that I have always wanted to find in my life. So I'll give you a really small example in the sense that when I was working with uh, Corporate America, we went for a um, retreat and so we had this motivational speaker who uh, walked up on stage and talked to all of us about you know how you're passionate about going back to work every Monday and how you feel that that fire within you and you feel like you're doing something and you feel so energized by what you do 
and I was listening to him and I was, was just kind of, I still remember that day very well. And I was like, I don't feel that, you know, I, I know that I have a job which, which is a great place to be. And I am, yes, I'm earning a qu quite handsome salary for my age at that point in time. All of this is great, but I don't feel that fire. I don't feel that passion within me every Monday when I wake up and go to work. What is he talking about? And I obviously didn't have that answer that day when I walked out and I was like, you know, this is probably something that only a few experience and uh, I just kind of, you know, shoved that aside. But um, once I made that decision that I wanted to give back to the world and give back to the ovarian cancer community, particularly in honor of my mom and because I felt like she just defined my purpose in life that I was not meant to do what I was do doing at that point in time and I needed to switch my career path and so I just had this I don't know what the word is Elisa but I just had this awakening within me that I just need to switch and do do this which is my heart's calling and which is something that I need to do it was almost like a um, I don't know it's it was like a force within me that kind of kind of pushed me to get out of what I was doing and do something that I wanted to do more purposeful and more visionary in life and so I took that plunge but having said that I'll also tell you this that just having my um, training at RISE for those two years you know kind of also helped us uh, take take a few chances in the sense that we were more confident with the training that we had and we knew that if we do take a plunge we are not doing this completely blindsided in the sense that we had already developed a really good network I knew how to run a business by just doing my courses at RISE and so there was a little bit of that too which I obviously give credit to um, RISE business for for getting me there but mostly it was the calling of my heart and um, I knew that I would not have all the answers and I knew that there would be major sacrifices on the way and I knew that every day will not be uh, a good day in the sense that it will be a full of frustration full of no's and full of you know everything that you don't want to hear but I was just ready to take that plunge because like I said I'm with with this I felt like I found the purpose in my life and I tell you this after you know doing this for eight nine years is now I can get back on that particular stage and say exactly the same things that that person told us a few years ago and I was sitting there and thinking what is he talking about now mm -hmm. I can actually be the, that person mm -hmm. and tell you that, Lisa, I'm excited to go back to work every Monday. I'm passionate about what I do. I know that when I walk into a room, people know that this is what she stands for and this is what she is about. And I understand what passion for work and for, for the calling in your life means, even though, you know, obviously, again, I'll mention this, there are many sacrifices and Obviously, your for-profit and non-profit you know, careers are very different. There are many other challenges. The, the salaries are never the same. And, you know, it, it's all there. But 
I am that person, I'm that man on the stage today <laughs> after nine years that I can tell you and I will tell you exactly the same things that this is exactly how I feel and there is a fire within me that still goes deep and still burns as I wake up every morning to do what I do to serve the, um, the, the overcomers and the community of ovarian cancer worldwide. So if you could turn back the time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her? So if I could turn back time and I'm 18 and I would definitely say to myself that life is full of unexpected um, events and uh, crossroads and uh, things that happen that are unpredictable. So there is, at least from, I don't say that this is for everyone, but for me, my 18 year old self, I would definitely tell her to be open-minded, to kind of keep seeking that purpose, be um, willing to make sacrifices for what you want to do in life and most importantly all my life you know I've been told that I am ruled by my heart and that was you know I I was even you know coached that that is something that will not help me going forward much in the sense that it, the world is more practical and less emotional and doesn't work by the heart and all that and so I kind of took that while growing up because it came to me from different directions but to my 18 year old self I would go back and definitely foremost I would say don't give up being that person who lives by her heart who who's ruled by the heart because that is something that will propel you to do things that other things will not and that is the force that you need to nurture and and advance and not stifle just because you heard that from someone else you know and that aligns so beautifully with the pillars of overcome with unwavering commitment love service and conviction that it just it just you know there's a heartfelt commitment with overcome to individuals and families with cancer, with ovarian cancer. Um, so speaking of overcome, what do you see next for overcome? So um, I get this question a lot and I have a favorite answer which I'm going to share with you as well um, in the sense that, you know, I would consider overcome successful if in 10 years we can close the shop. You know, and we have found a cure for ovarian cancer mm -hmm. and uh, our lives are, you know, where we are not losing any more mothers, daughters, sisters, friends. And I truly honestly mean this. And that would be my number one success story if we can close overcome in 10 years. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, what I see Overcome continue to do is to continue to enhance the lives of the overcomers that we have this, this very strong community of survivors and overcomers that we have built worldwide that, you know, that stay with us, that, uh, that attend all our events and they, they just become family. 
So I do see us continuing to grow our programs where we are reaching, you know, millions of um, not just the uh, survivors, but also their family members and the caregivers through our programs and services. We want to continue to invest in our research funding because as we know without research we cannot find a cure and so it is critically important for us to be supporters of research so we i do know that we will continue to keep our programs that are working well and making a very meaningful impact but we will also keep reinventing um, and finding where the need is and adapting just as just as we have this year with COVID with all 100% of all our programs, events, services, everything was um, transferred um, online this year. And uh, we have done it very successfully. We have actually gained a lot more followers than we had uh, in, in the previous years just because of the sheer reach of the digital space, if you will. So, but yes, I mean, my number one goal is to close shop in 10 years because we have found a cure. Ah, oh, I love that. I love that. So to, to wrap us up, I have one more question and and then we want to know how to find you. So what's one thing maybe we didn't include today you want to highlight or something special you want to leave our guests with today? I do want to um, give a huge shout out and also recognize the role of the caregivers in this mm -hmm. whole mix. Because having been a caregiver for my mom, and I will give you a very, you know, share a very brief story in the sense that when my mom got diagnosed, uh, she was diagnosed and she was uh, in India at that point in time. However, I was here in the U.S. with my little boy who was just barely two, two, two and a half years old at that point in time. And so there was a 10,000 mile distance between me and my mom when she got diagnosed and she, I got the phone call um, from my dad um, 10,000 miles away. And it just broke my heart to pieces to be not be able to be there with my parents when this news was shared with them. And so, but I made multiple trips back home and I stayed with my mom for as long as I could. I, you know, I cooked for her sometimes. We watched movies sometimes. We, sometimes I just sat there and held her hand, you know, um, while she was going through this whole journey. And I still remember we, just the day before or, or maybe two days before she passed away, she was still in her senses and we were having this conversation about death and um, the fact that she felt that she was ready to leave, but she felt that she was not ready to leave because of me and my dad. And I'm an only child, so just me and my dad, she felt like she needed to kind of stick around a few more years or do her best to be the mom that she wanted to be and not miss out on the on the things that that my lives would my life would uh, then witness after her so i held her hand and in that two moments that i spent with her i Chris, you know remember this crystal clear that i told her that mom you know we will be okay we will be happy i just wanted to give her that peace of mind and just tell her that you know just leave with the fact that we are we will be left behind but we will will be fine we will overcome this and we will keep you in my in in our hearts and i think 
that was profoundly important for my mother to hear and because she knew that physically she was not able to fight this any longer but in her mind she felt almost guilty living leaving us behind but that peace of mind that two minutes that i gave her and i told her that it's okay to give up and it's okay to overcome life and and just cross the border and go to the other side knowing that we will continue to keep you in our hearts and we'll continue to love you but our lives will go on and we will be happy i'll take care of my of, of my dad for you those words need to be spoken um, to any person that is in that space. I would strongly encourage all caregivers to give that peace to someone who is, you know, at the moment of crossing the bridge. And also for the, for the caregivers, I would also mention this, that, you know, I saw my dad go through this whole journey with my mom and it was an intense journey for him he took care of my mom single-handedly like physically emotionally spiritually and it broke him after my mom passed away to in the sense that he didn't know what else to do because he had been a caregiver intensely for 11 months and so it it almost became his identity and so he actually struggled to get out of that mode after my mom passed away and um to kind of find himself rediscover himself again so for the caregivers who might be listening i mean first of all i just have so much gratitude and so much you know i thankful to you for all that you do for for taking care of those that you love and it is a strong it, it, it is it is a very intensely strong experience and it takes a lot out of all the caregivers so so just take care of yourself and, and, you know, it's important that you take breaks. It's important that you keep your sanity and also do something that makes you happy because this is a 24-7 job and, and it, it's an intensely, you know, transforming experience. So as much as I want to thank every caregiver that's out there, I also want to say that, you know, just take care of yourself. Don't forget to take care of yourself and know that because of you someone is overcoming every second because of the courage and the inspiration that you are giving them oh Renzi, that was so wonderful you know overcome is such a celebration of your mother's life and love and just a legacy to her and to be able to share your thoughts with the families and also to help help just anyone understand more about ovarian cancer and how to uh, find resources and, and what to look for. Um, you, you've, you've brought the world so much in regards to what we can gain and learn and be aware of. And, and if, if treatment is needed, we know, how, know, know what it is and what's the most recent. So um, just congratulations to you on everything that you've done with Overcome. Um, it's been wonderful listening to your um, to your pivot and your success and your own personal uh, journey of 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 ovarian cancer with your mother. Um, to wrap us up, what uh, how might we how might we find you? I'm going to put it in the notes, but I, you know, tell us how to, how all, all the ways that we can find overcome, and if people want to reach out to you personally, how do you want to work that? 
Of course. So uh, as far as Overcome, uh, we obviously, there's a website for you to go and look into all the resources and all the, um, the information and the programs and services that we offer. So I definitely invite everyone to visit our website. We also have a very strong social media presence. So uh, we are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram. And um, the good thing about our uh, platforms are, you know, it's not the same information in all three platforms we typically keep different information and different things that we share on our platform so if you would like to stay updated and um, connected to us i i think i invite i would invite you to like us on all three so that you can see all the fun things on the great things that we are doing uh, with the help of our survivors and um, in terms of reaching out to me personally uh, of course i would love to hear from you any thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions that you might have for uh, taking the organization going forward. If you'd love to volunteer with us, we would love to have you. So just reach me at my um, email, which is uh, runsi at overcome.org. And um, I would be happy to, to connect with you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Wednesday, and thank you so much for joining me today. I hope our guests enjoyed and our listeners enjoyed uh, learning more about Overcome. I, I think, I know there's 1.75 million listeners, but there's always someone out there who has not experienced Overcome yet and all the, the good things that you have to offer patients and families and survivors. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate this so much. And uh, it's been my honor to share my story and a little bit of Overcome with you and your audience. Oh, thank you again. So that's a wrap for today. We have so enjoyed you being with us. I hope you learned something new, got some inspiration, and you are ready to move forward with your own new season. Remember, we are living life at any age. Take some time to visit the other social media sites. Give us some feedback. Shoot me an email on Facebook. And remember, until then, stay safe and keep on living. Cheers. Cheers.